Hello, hello, lovely humans, and welcome to the Table Podcast, where everybody gets to take a seat. I am your host today, Cassie Osei, and joining me is... My name's Isaac. Well, hello, Isaac. Hi. How you doing? I mean, I'm here. Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot. <laughs> like That really was. I loved it, though. <laughs> I was really into it. It gave me, um, what is it? Slow Night Jam vibes. Mm. Yes. Yes. Like Sunday. The Sunday one. The Sunday Specifically one. Okay. the Sunday okay. one. Not the mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday night. No, one. the Sunday. Sunday. Well, the Friday, Saturday night better be bops because you know I'm out there twerking my ass somewhere in the galaxy. <laughs> See how I said galaxy and not world? Because <laughs> sometimes I'll be on Mars <laughs> fucking it up with the Martians. <laughs> they throw it back. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh goodness. How are you today, my friend? I am living, 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 living. Yes. So today we're going to do a check in. Yes. So, in one word, mm-hmm. describe to me mm-hmm. how your day went. In one word. One word. You have 10 seconds. Do, 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 Okay. Wait. The way you. I lived for every single moment of that. Okay. Just to let y'all know that I lived for that. Yes. Um. Yeah. Survived. That's really good. That's really it. Yeah. It'd be like that. Yeah. Tuesdays are rough. They are rough. Mm-hmm. And this actually ties into the dessert, but we'll get into that. Soon. We'll get there or later. Rather, we'll get the appetizer. Um, but, um, but yes, so let me introduce the eating schedule. Ew, feed me, bitch. Okay. <laughs> so first we're going to start with appetizer. Mm. You know, it's a little bit of an icebreaker. Introducing us. Introduce me. To the meal, mm. right? Just the introduction mm. to the meal. To the meal. Then after that. Okay. We're going to really get into it. Okay. Where we get dinner is served because, hey. you know, dinner is served. And so that's our main topic. It's yes. the content that we really going to be talking about you around, right? Bet. We let these girls know. Bet. That's what we eat. Bet. And then <laughs> we're going to wrap things up with dessert. Hey. It's going to be sweet, delicate. <laughs> and I don't know. There was another word I was going to use, but I you know it's You said sweet and delicate, and I thought of juicy fruit. <laughs> Like Ooh, the song, the original. Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. Juicy fruit. <laughs> I, you know, I'm happy you went there because yes. I s- smooth went to sex, but it's fine. Uh, you know, they're connected. <sighs> <laughs> um. <laughs> um. <laughs> if you're using juicy fruit during sex, <laughs> please write me a three-page article. <laughs> Um, explaining to me the safe practice of using juicy fruit during sex. The safe word. And safe words. Yeah. Um, during juicy fruit sex, I would really <laughs> like Listen, to know. If your sex ain't juicy, that's the issue. <laughs> I I genuinely was just trying to learn how you have sex with juicy fruit products. But obviously, that's not what I, I was getting. Yeah, I wasn't talking um, about the products. But I mean, we've crossed the Rubicon here today. So, moving on. 
<laughs> yes. So appetizer. Um, the appetizer for today is what does resiliency look like in blackness? Mm. Well, I'm going to push back on the word resilience. Okay, let's do this. Um, let's start now. Let's get into it <laughs> right now. now. Um, and I would rather use resistance. Ooh. Not resilience. Change the whole entire title of this yes, episode. Let's go. I feel like using resistance says that we are pushing back on whatever the fuck is coming our way. Mm, okay. Versus resiliency, you are taking it and it just adds to your trauma and you're mm. trying to figure out how to cope with it. Okay. Um, that's at least the way I conceptualize the term. So okay. For me, uh, what does resistance look like in blackness mm-hmm. is just living my black ass life. Okay, and, fair. Let's go. Black you ass know, life. Eat, moisturize, repeat, mind my business. Oh, come <laughs> on, Angel Hayes. Yes. For that t-shirt <laughs> and that word. No, it was moisturize, drink water. Mind, Mind your, your business. business. That's yes. what it was. It so. is such a good t-shirt. Yes. And that is such a good poetry, like, book. Yes. Like, book of poetry. Poetry book. Yes. Book At Angel Hayes, y'all. She's a yeah, very she's talented amazing. spoken word oh, artist. God. I miss her. I need her to come back yes. and give me another She was word. beautiful. She was giving me Jill Scott vibes. Very much Jill and Scott. I, Jill Scott is, like, my celebrity crush. Okay. Listen. Hate on me, hater. Now or later. Because I'm going to do me. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Look, I, take me there, Jill. Yes. Take me there. Mm. Um, yes. So what does resistance? Yes. It's really just pushing back on yes. whatever really stops to, tries to stop your shine. Stop yeah. Your and I feel like being black in general means that we have to resist, right? Like, that's just something that is inherently built yeah. into us, is to resist a system that was never even built for us, exactly. but built by us. Because right. for us, by us. Yes. But it wasn't even for us. We built it for the white people. But and it's still, still by no us. reparations. I'm still on my coin. I want my coin that my great-great-great-great-grandmama didn't get. That's my coin now. Yes. Give it to me. But anyway. <laughs> um and I mean, that's not to say that because resiliency, I mean, it happens. It, it, it happens. You're going to encounter things that you're going to need to figure out how to cope through. And a lot of it comes from just living in a white supremacist world. Yeah. And by white supremacist, I'm going to define that because a lot of people may assume it means KKK. A lot mm-hmm. of people assume white supremacy, KKK, white supremacy, white nationalism. When I'm when I say white supremacy, I mean s- encompassing a system of whiteness. Mm-hmm. And there is an aspect of resiliency, but I also think it's more resistance. I like that. So I like the way you frame that. So the reason why I asked this question, and probably the reason why I asked the way it did. So I'm obviously in social work, mm-hmm. and we had a research project that we had to do my last this year, like last year, this yes. around this time frame. I was in a research class, and this is the reason why I even started doing research. It was because it was a really good fucking class. Mm -hmm. But I always was talking about resistance through research. There was this really good Mm -hmm. book. It was written in Canada. I can't remember the two authors of it, but it was um, Resistance Through Research. Okay. Um, And it was a really good book, and it had a lot of different excerpts about how to be culturally relevant instead of culturally competent and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, 
being a part of a community, but making sure you're doing the research in a biased way that gets you more information than you already know. Mm. Um, so you're not going into the community to answer questions. You're going in the community to find answers that will help them, um, okay. which doesn't always come with your experience knowledge. It comes with you understanding the people who are actually there, right? Um, so EMIC it was a versus emic. Yeah, you yes. got it. You yes. know, yeah, okay. you got it. Okay. You better than me. Um, <laughs> like you're better than me. I'm just now learning. Yeah. But um, I did a research project on resiliency um, okay. for, in black youth. Okay. And um, I was doing it and I was talking to my professor and I was like, I'm getting so irritated by this. Mm. And at the end of my research, I was like, what we are finding is that regardless of the situation, like people of color, black femme presenting people, black trans women, black women, they will be primarily more resilient mm. than any other race simply because of the identities they hold. They don't have another option to be anything but resilient. Mm. And that's the reason why when things get tough, suicide rates in white men are so much higher than mm. it is in any other identity, um, which is like not very shocking, but also like, whoa. Right. Mm -hmm. So like we don't even get the choice to be suicidal because of the color of our skin. Right. That's like a research thing that I'm just kind of like, what is happening there? And I want to learn more about it. But, you know, I'll let it go for now. Got to get this grade first. Got to get this degree. Um, but um, what I was getting at is like essentially like why is that a part of us? Why mm -hmm. is that right. a part that we have to subscribe to? Why do white people get to not be resistant? Why do they get to be complacent in the world that we live in? And so I like the fact that you said it's a more like resistance because it makes it seem like it's more action oriented mm -hmm. and like what we have to do. And so exactly. I like that a lot better. Yeah. Yes. So switch it up. <laughs> New words. Come on, words. Let's get sick. Wow. <laughs> Literally, the people are going to be, uh, like, they're going to get done with us by the time this is over. It's like, I hope they shut the hell up. Like, it's this not as bad as the very first podcast when we, we were could really just cackling not get the whole through way it. through. Could not get through it. We actually have conversations where we were just cackling the whole time. Um, but yes, anything else on resistance and blackness and how that is an, a part of us, really? It's for us, by us, because it's yeah. always been us. Ooh. Anyway, continuing. <laughs> sometimes I shake myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes you just, like... Do a little shimmy. Yeah, you shake yourself. You just get shook by yourself. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, I guess resistance also encompasses just... Not only just pushing back against certain things, it's just knowing that you're, you've just had enough. Mm. You know, there's only so much trauma a person is willing to endure. Right. And, and I think, you know, this is just my understanding of it. Um, I think you do become resilient. You know, you're resilient at birth because these intergenerational traumas have been passed down to you. Shout out to Dr. Joy DeGray and um, post-traumatic slave syndrome. On did that. you go to that? I did. I wanted to go to that, but she I had a class. She is a wonderful human as uh. a person. Oh, my gosh. I really wanted to go, but I had class. Yes. Trinity went. Mm. It's it's worth it. But I didn't get to go. Damn. Okay. Um, we'll get to that at one point. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is it, it. resiliency is a part of it, you know. You learn traumas. You grow with them. But then there's a point where it's just like, I'm going to push back. Yeah. Th enough is enough. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I'm at in my life. Look. I cut off people. Cut snip, off all snip, the how. Snip, 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 how. Snip, snip, how. Twack. if you buck. Ah, ah, ah. Look at that. Wee. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's where we're at today. Um, So... Let's take a break and then get more into okay. this. Let's talk more about this after that. Okay. So, oh my God, we really just got real ratchet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be back, y'all. <laughs> Wait, wait, you better fuck. Get up, get up. Ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and Ugh, why am I like this? Jesus. Um, so we're just gonna talk about oppression and resistance because we switched the words. Yes. Um, but the question is, give examples of times when oppression showed up and how you overcame in these three categories. So, one, microaggression. Two, overt, overt racism. And then three, systemic racism, which is a little bit harder to overcome. Mm-hmm. But um, sometimes it happens. <laughs> sometimes you get that tea. Um, but anyway, should I go first? Please do. Okay. So my microaggression is very <sighs> stupid. I, I think it's dumb. But um, when I was an undergrad, mm-hmm. um, you know, I ran track. I ran around in circles. Um, and it was cute or whatever. <laughs> um, but I was an athlete, obviously. So I would be in class, and there was other athletes in class in different various sports. And um, I remember this one day, our teacher held back all the athletes. And my teacher was like, I know you guys get special privileges because of your athlete status and you have special tutoring, so I'm not going to take any excuses from you missing class unless it's, like, sport-related. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, very obviously, like, okay, whatever. Right. Like, sir, we already have this, like, exempted. Like, you know the T. Like, let's not even argue with this. But he was like, yeah, all you basketball players in the back. I was sitting in the back. I said, I don't play basketball. They were like, what do you do? Play football? I'm too small to pay, play football. I'm not tall enough to play basketball. I literally run track. And he was like, well, I would have just assumed you played one of those two sports. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> wow. This is my freshman year of undergrad, and that was my first class that I had ever gone to. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, this is what this shit is. Okay, that's mm-hmm. what it is. So um, the semester went on, and he realized that I was actually intelligent, which was really nice. Um <laughs> He didn't think, he realized I wasn't like all the basic other athletes and that stereotype of them just going to class because they have to go do their sports. Which like also I think is anti-black because most people who do sports in college are people of color. Mm -hmm. So um, that's another conversation for another day. But um, yeah, he eventually like apologized and was like, yeah, like... I'm sorry that I thought you played basketball. And I was like, no, most black people you think do play basketball. But I also run really, really fast because we as black people are good at all things. So that's what that is. And he was like, oh, like all sports. I'm like, no, all things, (laughs) everything. 
Let's be very clear about that. Yeah. And that was my road to militancy, y'all. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but yes, do you have a microaggression? There are so many. Right, that was one of my favorites. And the fact yeah. that I have a favorite microaggression is an issue, but like, yeah. we'll unpack that later. We surely shall. <laughs> like, <laughs> the one that really sticks out to me, um, and you bringing up your high school story, um, also brings up my high school story, mm-hmm. was a microaggression I experienced from an ex-boyfriend of mine in high oh, school. No. Was he um, white? He was black. Ooh, so, yeah. this is some tea. Okay, internalized racism. Let's eh. get sick. <laughs> <laughs> but really, no. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's let's go there. <laughs> like, um, so we were both athletes. Uh-huh. He was a track runner, and I ran track and played golf. Um. I don't know why that just makes so much sense to me right now, but okay. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, he approached me with his interest and, you know, I reciprocated mm-hmm. having an attraction to him as well. And we were vibing for a good two weeks or whatever. And there came a point where we were preparing to be intimate with one another. Okay. Now, me, I don't have a skinny type. I'm very mm-hmm. athletically built. Right, right, right. And Thick you... with two Cs. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Thick with two Cs. Uh. <laughs> and, you know, he made the comment like, wow, you're pretty built. And I was like, okay, so you want this pussy or not? <laughs> like, that was really my answer. We're here for a reason. <laughs> right. Let's get to it. I get the hell up out my right. house. Right. <laughs> That's really what was supposed to be happening. But he really was just stuck on the fact that I was really athletically built. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, you know, you're you're really pretty for a black girl, but it's like your body's type. I've never like been with a woman who yes, never I'm, been with a woman who really what? just was really strong physically. I'm just and, I'm just caught up on the fact you're really pretty for a black girl. I, that would have taken me out from the see, beginning. See, back then I wasn't really as aware of my blackness as I am now because I was just ingrained in a lot of whiteness. Oh yeah, same. I ran in white like, spaceness and coming from a very African household which whiteness was like what to look up to. Mm-hmm. So that's some unpacking that I did over time, but so that statement missed me. What really mm-hmm. caught me was the fact that he was so focused on my physical appearance. And that just like threw me for a loop because I'm just like, so if we not fucking, are you trying to like. Can you go? I have homework to do. Right. <laughs> I have things to do. Right. Like, this is just on the list of the things and that exactly. I have to do. Exactly. I was like, today. I'm really uncomfortable now. So if we're not going to do this, then you can leave. And he was just like, oh, you mad now? I'm just like, well, I mean, I don't know what you want from me. Cause you, why wouldn't I be you mad? Kinda, you kind of just like said fuck my body type, right? Really, in like some weird ass way, and then I'll never forget his response to that. And he was just like, "See, this is why I don't fuck with black women. Y'all all out like this." And that for me really, really, really had me internalize a lot of self hate a lot of internalized misogyny for myself, really, and just a whole host of other shit. So it took some work for me to, like, actually love my body type, and bitches love it, too. So, Uh, you know. (laughs) Let it be clear. Let it be clear. Bitches. Bitches, and that includes men. (laughs) Love it, too. 
Um, and you know, it took a lot for me to just get back to loving myself, my skin, mm-hmm. my complexion, right. my body, all of those things. Right. But that's definitely a huge microaggressive moment in my life. I say this all the time. And one day I will get over it. No, I won't. This is a lie. I will never get over it. Mm-hmm. Black men ain't shit. Yeah. The world doesn't allow them to be shit. Oh, wait. Mm. The other way around. The world does give them the space to be something. And then they choose yeah. to not be shit. Especially towards black women. Yeah. And queer folks. And queer folks. Mm. Especially queer folks. Ooh. Black queer folks. Ooh. Black. Queer black femme presenting queer folks. That part. Or masculine presenting queer folks. Although. Okay, oh, let's mm-hmm. go there for real quick. Okay, I just want to go there real yeah, fucking quick. That... Because this is something that I have a lot of feelings about. Mm-hmm. So, Young M.A. Right, I knew you was going there. Young M.A. somehow has inserted this weird space mm-hmm. of like, I'm with the niggas. Mm-hmm. And they accept me. Mm-hmm. But I'm still, like, going to inherently be toxic, like, very toxic and very, like, misogynistic um, to women. And I'm so fascinated by that dichotomy. But, like, I don't know if I am in the right space and I'm allowed to, like, even critique it. Because Mm -hmm. as, like, somebody who is masculine presenting, Mm -hmm. like, am I allowed to comment on somebody who is, like, a butch lesbian Mm -hmm. who is doing those kinds of behaviors so I don't know. Well, let's be aware of the word butch. Yes. Because I know black lesbians mm-hmm. don't like that because it's, exactly. it's kind of like how, well, I'll speak for myself, mm-hmm. but I know black women who don't vibe with the term feminism, feminist in right. general, or black feminism. Okay. I have an issue with that. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, Which is, yeah. So like stud. Fair. It's like, yeah. Okay, stud. Stud is like. Stud. So, yeah. So that's very complicated. Yeah, because it's. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, whoo! <laughs> I was like working with queer people. Yes. And then hearing like this is what I want to be called, and then it's like you always have to ask before because you want to know who that works for personally and all people. Yes. So I don't know young Ma's about like what she she, she goes by like. she she and yeah what she, she claims goes by. being a stud. Yes. There we go. Yeah. So since she claims being a stud, mm-hmm. she's a stud. Mm-hmm. And how that works? <laughs> <laughs> like. It's it's hard to critique. I don't know if it's hard to critique, or I feel like I don't. I'm not comfortable critiquing it because that is not a space that I belong to. Um, well, I have seen from. There was a point where I was obsessed with Young Ma for like I mean, a millisecond. I was too. <laughs> I was like, if I ever get the opportunity to be fucked by Young Ma, yeah, I will let it happen. Like I would be, like I would love it. Yeah. But just seeing her progression, like from actually presenting as really femme in her youth mm-hmm. to like now very masculine okay. in adulthood. And that has to do with the fact that she picked up a lot of her idea of what masculinity is from the men around her. Right, right, right. And a lot of them were trapping. A lot of them were ain't shit niggas. Come on, ain't shit niggas. Come on. <laughs> like, and, you know, that's the persona yeah. she pulled. That makes sense. So socialization, once again. Yeah. Anyway, I got sidetracked. No, it's okay. Because you know how I feel about Young Ah, <laughs> uh, Anyway. But 
Young and May got bars. Much respect. We're, we are very much not going to like. Much respect. Pass that over. Aside because from her being problematic, she's got bars. Yeah. So. Y'all call her Stephanie. I call her Stephanie. That is still everything to me. <laughs> anyway, so moving forward yes. onto overt racism. Okay. My experience with overt racism is that I went to school in Oklahoma Mm -hmm. from my sophomore year of high school until I graduated college. (sighs) Overt racism is, the more South you get, it's very much a thing. I think that it's the Mm. overt racism I experienced in Oklahoma might be different than the stuff that people experience in rural Georgia outside Mm -hmm. of Atlanta, Um, but it's done in a very particular way in Oklahoma that mm. I've experienced comparative to when it was like um, done in Washington State or something of that nature. Like it's very, it's not as covert. Mm-hmm. And so um, I remember, <laughs> I remember this time I was uh, doing a counter protest to a pro-life rally. Mm-hmm. And um, I was really frustrated because they kept saying to me that like pro-life people are fighting for black lives too. And um, because black people were, what is her name? Emily Singer. Like she's a very, she's some feminist from wherever. She's the one who created Planned Parenthood. Okay. And Planned Parenthood, but she was also a eugenics movement Mm -hmm. person. Oh, yeah. So like, yeah, that one. Okay. I can't remember her fucking name. Uh, But um, so they kept using that to like validate. And then um, at one point they were like, See, this is what happens. These stupid niggers, they get that they finally get a voice and now they want to act like they have it together. And I promise you, this was a silent protest, mind you. I have never, ever exercised so much control in my life Mm. than in that moment. Now, 2018, Isaac wouldn't have exercised that much control. Mm. But it happens. And that is overt racism. And sometimes <laughs> these white motherfuckers yeah. got me fucked up. <laughs> yes. But yeah, that was really hard. And I mean, I've done, I've had that happen to me since then. But it was never like that, where it mm. was like these stupid niggers. And I'm like, yo, like, that was when I realized, and I have to constantly be reminded that, like, the world that I live in, especially being in academia and being in a space mm-hmm. where like everybody's educated, I just put air quotes around that um, <laughs> because yeah. education looks differently across the board. Um, but they're educated and they um, know what to say and how to say it without making it overtly mm-hmm. racist. So like it's very much more coded language now, but yeah. beforehand it was not. And some people, like, I get reminded daily that, like, yeah. that code of language is not everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, for me, um, I lived in Boston for a few years before moving to Kansas. And Boston is very interesting because it is a city filled with immigrants. Mm. Um and that has to do with, you know, Boston just being by the water and a lot of immigrant yeah. communities um, come in, settle, blah, blah, blah. And when I moved there, I lived in a neighborhood which was 
very contentious because you had Dominicans on one side, Haitians on the other. Mm. Now, Boston is very expensive. Okay. And I lived in that neighborhood because moving from Chicago, that was the only place I could afford. Right. Um, so it was relatively cheap, even with four other roommates. And me being the darker complexed out of all my other roommates. Mm -hmm. um, one was lighter skinned black woman. One was an Asian American and the other was a white woman. So mm -hmm. diverse yeah. air quotes. <laughs> Come on, diverse household. And I would always get a lot of insults because literally you cross the street to catch a bus and you're immediately in Dominican neighborhood. Okay. But on the other side is the Haitian neighborhood. Oh my now, God. I did not know this existed, this tension. Well, mm -hmm. I knew the greater tension existed, but not in this neighborhood that right. I lived in. And I didn't pick up on it until maybe like the end of my first week of classes when I was in Boston. And I would always walk to the bus, always get really dirty looks from Dominicans, not knowing why. I don't do nothing to nobody. I always got my headphones in. Don't right, talk to minding me. Minding my good goddamn business. Exactly. And then there was one day I didn't have headphones in and the bus was pulling up and I'm checking my phone for something. This man walks up and he was just like, hola, mommy. And I'm just like, hi. Just like, <laughs> hi. Hi. <laughs> hi. My name's Paul. <laughs> <laughs> just like keeping it real calm, you know, being a nice person. And he's just like, okay, I see you, Negrita. And I'm just like, what the whole hell? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Spanish, my Spanish is a little off. It's been a minute. But I'm pretty sure that may have been insulting. But I didn't say anything about it. I just kind of smiled and waved him off. He was riding a bike, rode away. <laughs> and I'm just trying to sit with it. And then he comes back. And he's just like, are you Haitian? And I was like, no. And he's just like. You look like them. I was like, oh, no, no, I'm not even from Boston. I'm from Chicago. Mm -hmm. He's like, but you're not Haitian? I was like, no. Okay, good. You can't be like those niggas. Uh, Rode away. Uh, yeah. Now. I hate everything. That goes into a lot of things. So yeah, self-hate. Self-hate by a lot of Dominicans who are who have Afro-Latina, or excuse me, Latinx mm -hmm. roots. Um, also, this kind of ties into Amara La Negra and Ooh, her situation. Oh, you know I love her. Um, I've been following her since. A long A long time. ass. She's been around for years and right. people just catching up to who she is. Because she's trying, and that's the whole entire thing, is like her situation is so prevalent because mm -hmm. she is world, like, internationally known yes but she cannot break into the pop circuit of america exactly and that's because of her being dark-skinned and, and afro-latina Latina. and oh <sighs> my gosh so I, I don't know if you heard if you listen to um the breakfast club don't do this we're gonna go there oh damn fucking charlamagne's dumbass <sighs> and angela you ain't shit she just stay quiet she over really there does not literally say anything for anybody. letting oppression Why? happen because she is useless as a human. Mm, <laughs> and then you got DJ Envy, really dumbass. 
his ambiguous ass, knowing Not he has some blackness ass. in him. But anyway, th- this is just my anger coming. <laughs> I love this. Go but off. Amara La-, La Negra is just like really in the Breakfast Club, really talking about her struggle of being a darker complexed Afro Latina. Mm-hmm. Charlemagne is just like really dumb. <laughs> first off Stupid. and he's just like well cardi b made it through the scene it's like yes cardi b made it not discounting all her effort that she put into it but if you look at the complexion she wears <laughs> it is a lot lighter than amara la negra a lot lighter then he had the nerve to be like so why you call yourself afro latina because you wear afro you dumb fuck sir you dumb fuck sir <laughs> african roots are inherent <laughs> Right. To being a Latino or a Latina or a Latinx, whichever mm-hmm. pronoun you prefer. Right. The fact that you don't know that oh and you the same nigga that went and bleached your skin he to be lighter. That. He did do that. And colorism is not as profound in men as it is with women. Oh. But that market is serious. So I'm going to ch- like push back on that. Okay. Colorism is very prevalent. Really? In okay. Educate me. Learn it's me not even, today. It's not even Learn really me. educating. It's just that the fact that it's not even a fact. I, in my experience mm-hmm. with color and skin tone, there has been a multitude of moments mm-hmm. where people are like, "Oh, Isaac, you look so better if you were light skinned." And this is coming oh. from like a queer black perspective. Not as I don't know if it's like black men in general, but queer black perspective. That's interesting. The my like. Colorism is actually a huge factor in gayism. Um, if you're like gayism, look, gayism, gay racism, get gay-cism. into it. It's the T. Um, but the gayism th- aspect of like, if you are darker skin and you are black, you are com- automatically trade. You automatically mm. sit in this space of if you're not inherently super masculine and super buff and like. Um, inherently all of these stereotypes, there is no such way that you will be desirable by anyone. Um, if you're light skinned, you get a lot more passes. You're less black. You're less scary. You're less mm-hmm. troped in these spaces, and so it's colorism is a whole yeah, thing in itself. And I just still don't know how to navigate it because coming from a family that is very um, interracial, and like my grandpa has blue eyes, he's mm-hmm. light skinned. My grandma's dark skinned. Um, that means that all of us are all over the place. Yeah. Like, um, everybody thinks my cousin Dion's Hispanic. They all think my cousin Creighton is um, native. And I'm over here like, hi, <laughs> how you doing? I'm also their cousin, and I also oh. have skin. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> I dark. I also have skin, and it's dark. But, like, they there's moments where, like, my cousin Dion would get away with so much more than I mm. would. And I always thought, it was because of my skin being darker than his. But, you know, yeah. that's also just colorism is another thing yeah. for another day. Yeah. That's know. that story of just. <sighs> oh, wait. And also Hennessy, Cardi B's sister. little sister. She went off on Twitter about colorism yeah. and defending Cardi B and like just re like. But she missed the whole re- point of the thing, though. Yeah. She was just reinforcing this yeah. idea of like. We could all be Afro-Latina and, like, get through things, but, like, it doesn't really matter about our skin tone. Like, obviously, like, they're both really good, talented artists. And it's, like... That's the miseducation of the Negro. Right. It's, like, 
we need to do better about having these conversations like as an entity, like an interpersonal conversation within black spaces because colorism is a byproduct of whiteness because you are closer and like in lighter skin, you're closer to being white. And that's why you get special privileges. And like, we're not asking you to be like, oh, darken your skin and like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how you bleach, like what's the opposite of bleaching your skin? How do you do that? Is that a process? Dark ass foundation. Right, that's that's never cute. (laughs) I'm like, let's never do that. Lady Gaga tried to do that. Let's not talk about that anyway. <laughs> like, let's leave that alone. Yeah. Come on, gay icon who's also racist. Um, but um, yeah, I forgot where I was going with that. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so that is what it is. Yeah. That and it's just it's just really sad. Mm-hmm. And I don't just knowing that I could just be discriminated against for being darker. Yeah. Complex and I really it was wanna, a lot. I want to know the disparities between. I want to know if there's data out there that it like looks at the skin complexion of people who are murdered by police compared to Oh, it's out there. Yeah. It's, it's usually darker, darker skin, skin people. Me- men in particular. Yeah. Um, although there's research out there, not as much on darker skinned women, mm-hmm. trans women. Yeah. Yeah. And I all think it comes down to the like shade mm-hmm. of black that you are. More yeah. than like that. But I know like light skinned people get shot and killed and murdered too. Oh, so yeah. It's very much the same thing. Woo, that was heavy. Um, we still got one more. Yes, we do. Systemic racism. Um, so this could, this is a lot. Um, so in my experience, um, my undergrad uh, was a private institution. Okay. Um, and since it was a private institution, we did not get the same rights that um, state schools get when mm. it comes to protesting or doing activism work. The risk was a lot higher. Okay. And I still didn't give a fuck. And so um, with that came a lot of protocol that we had to do to do certain events and stage certain protests and demonstrations. Okay. And um, a lot of the time, our butts were being covered by different people who like were like, we have to follow the rules and we have to stay in line and we have to hold these things to be true. But like, I know that on our campus there were certain situations that landed me into in like a dean's office and them telling me like if you do not stop doing what you're doing like we will expel you and um I was like so you're gonna expel me because I think it's wrong that somebody got shot by a police officer in Tulsa Oklahoma and you guys think that that's okay they're like it's not that we think it's okay I'm like then why aren't you putting out statements why aren't you trying to make sure that we're safe and secure in this space? Because obviously you don't care about my black body. And I was put on academic probation because wow. I wouldn't back down about the idea that racism was prevalent in our in, in our system. But like also the way that our school was made up, I literally had like, I think it was my junior year, I had this epiphany that I was on a plantation. Like I just had this like idea that I was on a plantation and like, I was talking to my friends about it. I'm like, but think about it. All the board people, all the like deans and all these people, they're all white. There's maybe like one or two or three black people that I can think of mm-hmm. that work in this like place mm-hmm. that hold a position of power. All the other black people that I see, the black faces that I see walking around campus, all are workers. They all work in like the dining facilities or they all work in like hourly wage positions. And why is that dichotomy there? Why are the like brown people doing the work on the lawns why is that what's going on here 
And why isn't there more black and brown faces in mm. like power things outside of the diversity, equity, and inclusion office? Why does the diversity, equity, and inclusion people have to be black and brown bodies? Mm-hmm. And so like, I had this dream that I was living on a plantation when I was in class, because <laughs> I fell asleep in class, because that's <laughs> who I am, that's only who I am. Um, especially in undergrad when I had track practice in the morning mm-hmm. and then in the afternoon. Um, so I would take naps in class. Um, but I was there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I have to keep telling myself. <laughs> I was there. Um, but yeah, it was like realizing that the system never was going to work for me, specifically mm-hmm. at the school because of the private institution and understanding that like everything is rooted in white supremacy and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So now like even having this knowledge system here, it's like it's the same thing, but it's mm-hmm. not, it's a little bit more not relaxed because the word isn't relaxed it's a little bit easier to navigate Mm. simply because there is less privatization within the system here so that was my systemic racism answer is when i almost got kicked out of school because i thought my body was more worthy than what the people at my university thought it was trash trash um for me and I may piss somebody off, but oh well. Um, Look, take a risk. Spill the the tea. The research I'm interested doing being an academic is looking at black women, um, Mm -hmm. specifically black women, how they kind of move through the world with intergenerational trauma and how that manifests itself in negative maternal outcomes. Come on, dissertation. So, yes. (laughs) And, you know... In bringing that to some faculty, um, knowing that a lot of what I want to center my work on is black womanhood, mm-hmm. um, I was told, you know, can it be less black? Like, this is fine, but can we, you know, make it more multicultural? And it's like, I'll put that in the broader impacts. Like a whole statement, if you want. Come on, me to. I'll put it in the broader <laughs> impacts. We can talk about this, but we're starting here. Like, exactly. Let's be very clear about that. And you know, also knowing that I've used terms in you know abstracts or whatever terms like white supremacy, labeling things as they should be, mm-hmm. and being told, you know, that's that's a strong claim. That's a strong claim. Let's let's make it a little nicer, digestible. 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 To what kind of audiences? White audiences. Why are there only white audiences reading these materials? Because you're gatekeeping. Why are you gatekeeping? Because you don't want black and brown people to have access to an education. Because you guys... Yes. I'm fine. Like, why do we have to use coded language continuously? Make it clear. Like... Yeah. And it really pisses me off just knowing that I'm getting a lot of pushback doing what I want to do just because I want to call things out for what they are. And that for me is the systemic racism that I'm enduring every day of my black ass life in academic spaces. And you know, that's a battle that I think black and brown bodies constantly go through. And like, it goes back to literally the first episode that we did together, being black and in grad school and how we have to code switch and play these games and play this white ass game to be very mm-hmm. clear um and how it gets exhausting and how i don't know i say this all the time to people but like 
when in my specific field, nonprofits are where activists go to die. Mm-hmm. Um, they get absorbed by a system because mm-hmm. they take a grassroots movement, turn it into a nonprofit, and be like, here, we gave you what you wanted. Here's your platform. Now play this game with us. And I, I don't know how privy I am to playing the game. I, I feel like I can, mm-hmm. and I feel like I know how to, um, but at the end of the day, it's not what I want to do. Um, because I want to see, like, a future that I'm willing to be okay with. Right. Um, and that may also come with its own problems because I am one person. I have my own biases and value statements that I need to, like, work through and work to right. do better on. But it is something that I think is a good pushing and form that, like, when it comes to doing a dissertation about black womanhood and making sure mm-hmm. it's only about black womanhood mm-hmm. because shit. Yeah. Black women need to be centered. Yeah. And let's be very clear about that. Yeah. And so I'm mad. Yeah. And it's just wrong. also being told like and just looking at black womanhood, what's my comparative group? And that's something just reading literature knowing that the reference group the is white whiteness. Mm. Like your health has to be it, the optimal health has to be in comparison to whiteness. Your level of income has to be the optimal level of income has to be in comparison mm-hmm. to whiteness, and that's very troubling for me. Just sitting with all of that. But mm-hmm. okay. so, in one statement, how do you resist all of those things? Oh God. Okay. One statement. Oh Jesus. Okay. Because this is all about resistance. Yes, it is. How do you resist all of that? Mm-hmm. Um, get drunk. <laughs> um, and set everything on fire. No, that's not the answer. Um, dumpster fires. Dumpster <laughs> fires. Um, no. Um, I don't know, because mm-hmm. it's very difficult. Because for each statement, there's a different answer. I think. Mm-hmm. But honestly, like overall, it's to reframe. It's not even reframing, because it's more than reframing. It's um, overcoming mm. it w- in the best way you know how to in that moment. I think that's my answer: yes. is overcoming it in the best way you know how to in that moment. And it it changes and it switches just like everything else in the world as yes. time moves on as certain situations go yes. about it. You have to be very um, deliberate about that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So that's my answer. For me, it is remember to breathe, step away, and put it into some spoken word poetry. Ooh, okay, come that's on. That's what I do. <laughs> Recycle it. Yes. Because what are we not trying to do? Be a dumpster fire. Because what are we trying to be? Compost. Compost. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Um, We're going to take a break. Yes, we are. Okay, bye. (laughs) Okay, and we're back. So, to wrap up this conversation, conversation about resistance, what do we do to make sure that we are capable of resisting in a better way? especially with the bullshit of oppression that we have to deal with Mm -hmm. every single day as black folk. I would say caring for your mental health Mm -hmm. because going through this world day in, day out as a black person, as a queer person, as whatever you may be, 
Beyonce? Whatever oppression that you hold, you have to take care of your mental health because mm-hmm. it will drain you otherwise. Right. So. That's really real. I think also um, being creative in the way that you take care of your mental health. Yes. Like sometimes doing the stuff that um, white people tell you to do mm-hmm. sometimes might end in trash. <laughs> like, yes. um, but also understanding that you are that is your journey mm-hmm. and it looks different for each and every one of us mm-hmm. and giving that space to the people around you and yourself to have those resources mm-hmm. so that's what i think is the biggest thing to come out of it with because oppression looks different for each and every one of us that's right and so the way that we deal with it should be privy to yourself yes that's real so stay black stay blessed watch black panther Oh my gosh, yes. Yes. That is for us. And then the next time that we record, it will. We will d- unpack that whole we will, movie. <laughs> it's a whole time. I will come through with Panther. a Wukanda shirt. It's going to be real. It's going to be lit. But yes. anyway, um, see you guys later. Boy. Bye.